My mom has this picture in in her house, uh, kind of on her mantle there in, in her living room. It's a picture of my wife and I on Splash Mountain uh, at Disney World. And uh, now, before I tell you about the picture, there's two pieces of information you need to know about my wife and I. The first is that my wife loves roller coasters. Um, and, you know, the, the feeling of like impending death is just sounds like fun to her. I don't really know why. Uh, the, the other thing you need to know about us is that I hate roller coasters because um, I believe that if you like the feeling of like falling to your death, uh, you probably need counseling or shock therapy. Um, but uh, so anyway, back back to the picture. Um, the, now, the, the thing about the picture is that um, we're, we're going down the, you know, the, the like that big 50 or 60 foot drop, whatever it is, and we're. Um, you know, we're, we're in the front row now, you know, usually people who don't like roller coasters like being in the front row even less. And the way it worked out um, is that we're in line getting onto the ride. And so she says, oh, let's just let this other person go first so we can get the next um, cart or whatever car or whatever it is. And then we can sit in the front row. And I'm like, well, why would we want to do that? And she said, well, because it's a lot more fun. And I'm like, well, you and I have different definitions of fun, apparently. And uh, and she said, well, where do you want to sit? And I said, well, where do I want to sit? I want to sit in the gift shop. But apparently that's not on the cards. Um, and uh, and and so but I agreed. I said, all right, fine. So we sat in, in the front row. So anyway, getting back to the picture, if you go to my mom's house and you see the picture that she has, the picture, uh, the one side is, is of Carrie like this. You know, hands up, woo! You know, really excited. And then the other side of the picture of me is is me like this, <laughs> holding on to that bar like it's I'm clutching, you know, like holding on to life, you know, uh, because it's, it was the only thing like keeping me from uh, living. Um, and here's the weird thing, because I, I talk to people who don't like roller coasters. My mother says, oh, you're afraid of roller coasters. I'm actually not really afraid of roller coasters. Um, I, when I go on a roller coaster, I have this need to vomit right after. And so I don't like that feeling, and so that's why I don't go on them. So I like to say I'm not afraid of roller coasters. I am averse. You know, I, I'm roller coaster averse. That's really what it is. You say, what's the difference? I don't know. But anyway, it feels better. And uh, But here's the thing. I talk to people who don't like roller coasters, and they all tell me the same thing. Oh, so what do you do? Oh, I just hold on to the bar, you know? Uh, well, why? Does it, do you think it helps you? Does it get you there any faster, slower? I don't know, but I just, I guess it just makes me feel better that I hold on to the bar. And, and, and here's the thing. There's nothing rational about holding on to the bar because, you know, it isn't actually helping you or me, helping any of us. But as human beings, we have this innate desire to control. For, for whatever reason... Uh, we have this innate desire to control. And, and so even when we feel out of control for some reason, we will try to control something so that we can uh, feel not so um, totally out of control. We'll try to just hold on to something, manipulate something, grab a hold of something so that we don't have that feeling like we are just totally out of control going headfirst down this giant coaster. And um, because truth be told, there's a lot of things as people that we don't like, but the feeling of not being in control has got to be one of the worst ones. Um, you see, that right there is the challenge of submission. Um, it's the challenge of submission when you have a boss and you've given your opinion as to what should happen. And then he decides to go with someone else's opinion or, or an idea that he has. And now you've got to decide because that person has a level of authority over you. And you say, well... I guess I'm just going to submit to that even though I don't like it. It's the challenge that a teenager has 
when they explain to their parents, hey, I want to go do this. And their parents say no. And they say, well, let me, I'm sorry, maybe you don't understand. Let me explain it again. And so you explain it again. And their parents say, no, I understood you the first time. The answer is still no. Okay, let me say it in Spanish. I think it might help. Uh, so you say it to them like, and then they still say no. And then you've got a challenge now because you think it's unreasonable. Your parents say what you're thinking was unreasonable. And, but your parents have a level of authority over you. And so now what, what are you going to do? Well, now that's the challenge of submission. The challenge of submission for a wife who believes her husband is making the wrong choice is to say, am I going to trust him to make the right choice or am I going to hold on to the bar? Am I going to not relinquish any possible control because I don't want that feeling of not feeling like I'm in control? And therein lies one of the biggest challenges that couples face in marriage. You see, God has laid out for us a structure for the family. He's given uh, men and women roles and responsibilities uh, to, to fill and to function in. And what the Bible teaches us is that if we will operate within those roles, we will experience the blessing of God in harmony in our homes. And uh, what we're, what we're going to spend the first part of our time talking about is these three verses in Ephesians 5. And you can feel free to open there. That's where we're going to be for our time together. So you, um, we're going to spend the first few minutes talking about that. And then um, the second part of our time together, my wife is going to come out and uh, she's going to make sense of all this. Um, but we're going to talk about what a godly wife looks like. Last time, if you weren't here, we talked to the guys and we talked about what a godly husband is. And then... Um, this time today, we're going to really drill down and talk about what a godly wife looks like. And um, I said this last time, and I'm going to repeat it again this morning. And that is that the Bible teaches male leadership in the home. And here's the thing. While some will object to that, to the idea of uh, male leadership in the home, they really aren't objecting to God's design. What they're objecting to is more of a caricature of God's design. A distortion of what God really laid out to be for there to be harmony in the home. And so while the Bible teaches that, you know, wives are to submit to, to their husbands, the Bible isn't talking about in any way, shape or form, like bowing down to and serving some dictator. Um, instead, the Bible teaches that husbands are, are to love their wives sacrificially and that that kind of love is what a godly wife responds to as she submits to him. But let me just be clear kind of at the onset here, if I could, is that you can't have harmony in, in your home if both of you are fighting for leadership. All that's going to bring is chaos. In fact, in, in your notes that, that we gave you, there's this passage in, that Solomon writes in Proverbs chapter 25. He says this, it's better to live on the corner of a roof than to share a house with a quarrelsome wife. So instead, harmony, here's how harmony takes place in your home. It happens when both husband and wife are following Jesus and living out the roles given to them by God. Because whether we'd like it or not, God has decided to give men the responsibility of leadership in the home. He's responsible to lead. He's responsible to be the priest, the pastor of his home and lead his family spiritually as well. And in the garden, after Adam fell into sin... Uh, if you remember the story, Adam tried to blame God. He tried to blame his wife. And he said, God, it's, it's the one that you gave me. That's the problem here. Basically saying, God, I'm just a victim of circumstance. You know, and, and th that's the issue. And, um, and then here's how God responds. It says, then he said to the woman, I will sharpen the pain of your pregnancy. And in pain, you will give birth. 
and you will desire to control your husband, but he will rule over you. So as we tackle this subject, I want to start at the beginning. And that is, what is submission? What is it? And what is it not? Um, and let me define, I think the easiest way to define it is to talk about what, how the Bible defines it. Uh, Paul, in, who wrote Ephesians, um, he, in Ephesians 5 in particular, at the end of Ephesians 5, really defines what submission is. And here's what he says. He says, nevertheless, let each one of you in particular so love his own wife as himself and let the wife see that she respects her husband. And so what is submission? It's really just respect. It's respecting the leadership that God has given to your husband. But once again, I mean, you say, well, OK, I'm with that. Uh, what does that look like, though? I mean, we're in church. All right, God, that's fine. But I mean, I, you know, how do I how do I really how do you do that? How do you do that in real life? I mean, how do you do that when you have a career and you have kids and, and, and you're, you know, you're getting up in the morning and you're trying to get everything together and go to work and come home and who makes dinner and, and how does everything actually get done and, and the bills and all that? I mean, how does it actually work? And so what I want to do is really talk about three things in, in relationship to submission. So I, and, and these are going to be the three points that we talk about and then Carrie's going to come out and, and, and talk about it, uh, help me talk about it. But here's the first thing that we read. And this is Ephesians 5.22. It says, wives, submit to your own husbands as to the Lord. If you pause there and give me your attention, let's just stop there and we can talk a little more about it. But here, here's, here's what it is, essentially, um, that submission is obedience to God. It's obedience to God. You see, Paul says that wives should be submitted to their husbands as to the Lord. Now, let me tell you what that does not mean. That does not mean, which is, you know, husbands, and I know some guys would like it to mean this, uh, submit to your own husbands as to the Lord. And some guys would say, like, honey, here's what that means. That means that you are to treat me like I'm God. So, you treat me like God. Now, please, I'd like some lemonade. That's not, what, that's not what's being said, right? Uh, what's being said is, is this is when, when he says, uh, submit to your husbands as to the Lord, he's talking about that your submission is actually your service to God. So you, 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 you will, you know, you submit to your husband, you, you let him uh, take the lead, and that is part of your, your service to God. Now let's be clear on a couple of things. Um, and that is, number one, that submission is not inferiority. Submission is not inferiority. And if you haven't been with us in the first part of this series, we, we kind of laid the groundwork for the first three weeks to get us here. But one of the things that we talked about at the at, at the onset of, of our series was 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 three things in particular. And that is, number one, that men and women are equal in God's sight. Uh, number two, that men and women are both created in God's image. And then number three, that both men and women reflect God's nature and character to, to, to the world around us. And so those things being the case. That, that's the case. So, so submission is not inferiority or men are greater than women it has nothing to do with that. Submission at the same time is not silent agreement on all matters. Right. So it's not like, you know, the Bible is not talking about women becoming a Stepford wife uh, where you just, you know, yes, dear. You know, that, that's what you say, you know, to everything that, that whatever he wants. No, that's that's not what the Bible is talking about as well. Instead, submission is this and we can just break up the word. It's submission. That is when a person is submitted to God because husbands and wives need to be submitted to God. As we are submitted to God, we live out the mission that God has for us. And the mission that God has for us is for a husband and wife to live in harmony together and for a husband and wife to rightly reflect who God is to, to, to the world around us. And if that's being the case, then we have to be who, who we are. 
and, and that's part of how um, part part of how a wife reflects God's image is by submitting to her husband. Part of how a a man a husband reflects God's image is by loving his wife sacrificially. Now, there's two extremes that I think need to be addressed as well. The first I mentioned kiddingly, and that is the first view that you know the that a husband um, to submit to your husband as though he were God, and that's as wrong as it is absurd. Um, the second view is kind of the flip side of that, and that is, well, I submit to my to my husband as unto the Lord, so that means I will only submit to him when he does what God wants him to do. Well, then who decides what God wants him to do? And a wife will say, well, I will decide if he's doing what God wants him to do. And so, well, honey, we're going to do this. No, that's not what God wants. So sorry, but thanks for playing. And uh, and so well, what about this? And so now she becomes the final authority on on whether he's actually doing God's will or not. Well, once again, that doesn't work either. Well, see, the proper view, the biblical view is that submission really uh, as unto the Lord speaks about the motivation behind submission. It means that when you submit to your husband, you're actually operating in obedience to God. So check this out. So if you're doing the right thing and submitting to your husband and your husband is doing the wrong thing and he's not doing God wants to do, well, guess what? God's going to take care of him and he's going to get him real good. And so you don't have to worry about it. And so they say, well, what about it? You know, he does this. Okay, but see, if you're doing what you're supposed to do, God's going to deal with him. And, and the thing is this. Now, if you say, well, my husband's asking me to do something that that's illegal. My husband, my husband's asking me to do something that is just morally wrong. It's against the Bible. Then you have the freedom not to do what he's saying. But to not submit just because you don't agree um, is, is not that's 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 not submission, because submission has everything to do not just with the action, but also with the attitude. It's kind of like sometimes when I tell my kids that it's dinner time and they need to sit at the table. And uh, now I want them to sit at the table because it's in their own best interest, because their lives are better when they they eat food instead of when they go absolutely crazy because they haven't eaten. And so I'll say, all right, guys, it's time to sit at the table. It's dinner time. And then they just keep playing. And I'll say, guys, I need you to sit. Yeah, but we don't want to. Yeah, but I need you to. So I need you to come and sit at the table now, please. And so then they'll come over and they'll go, oh. And then they'll sit and kind of slouch. I don't want to sit. You know. And they're sitting. And then Carrie and I, we have this phrase when sometimes they do that and we'll go, you know, they're sitting, but they're standing on the inside. And that's what really what it is. Like, I'm sitting, but I want you to know that I'm standing in solidarity inside, you know. And, 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 and that, that's, that they, and they, you know, and, here, and here's the thing. I'm telling you that a lot of wives are standing on the inside and then acting like it's submission. You know, and it's like, oh, well, that's what you want to do. Well, we'll see how that goes. But, you know, I'm submitting. I'm submitting. Oh, I know I'm supposed to submit. I'll do that. But, you know, let's just wait till this blows up in your face. <clears throat> Idiot. <clears throat> and, uh, and, and so that becomes, you know, the, but, but, you know, I'm submitting because, you know, that's the godly thing to do. Jerk. You know, like, all right, that, that, see, that's just not it. Okay. It's kind of like the difference between, um, and it's like, it, it kind of looks the same, but it's not the same thing. Um, I don't know if you've ever um, followed someone in your car. There's there, there's someone in the car in front of you, and they're like, all right, just follow me, and we'll get to the place. So they drive. They get to the light. They make a right. And they get to the stop sign. They make a left, and they get there, and you're just following them. Okay, here we go. Then there's there's another scene, right? There, there's two cars, and one is actually strapped to the other one. You know, they're, they're, there's, they've got some rope, or they've got, like, bungee cords or something, and the other is dragging the one car. And not only is the one car dragging the other car, the car behind that's getting dragged has its emergency brake on. 
And then the one that has his emergency brake on, you know, the, the, he, he's trying to jam it into park because he doesn't want to go. And so it looks like the same thing. Well, I was following you. Yes, but it was, it was, you, I wasn't really so much, you weren't so much following me, more as it was that I was actually, my car was dragging you as it was. Why? Because they, at the outset from far away, it might look the same, but it's very, very different. And that's why, uh, you know, one is submission, the other is not. Because one is an act of the will. It's not just the action, but it really involves the motive and, 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 the, and the action because it matters. The second thing is this, and look at verse 23. He says, for the husband is the head of the wife, is also Christ is the head of the church, and he's the savior of the body. And listen, here's the second thing to note. Submission is a picture of Jesus. It's a picture of Jesus. Just like how a godly husband pictures Jesus by sacrificially loving his wife. A wife models Jesus by submitting to her husband as unto the Lord. That's why, if you've been around here for any length of time, I've told you, um, and, and, I, and I've shared with you, that I believe that all marriage problems are really discipleship problems. And that couples uh, think that the problem is, is, is the other person, when really it's a lack of understanding the gospel that puts marriages in jeopardy. Now, why is this so important for wives? The reason it's important for wives is because, listen, this is so important, is that you don't win your husband over by nagging him. You, don't, you just don't win your husband over. That's not a, a recipe for a winning marriage. Instead, the Bible says that you win your husband over by modeling Jesus for him. In your notes, in 1 Peter chapter 3, it says, Wives, in the same way, submit yourselves to your husbands, so that if any of them do not believe the word, they may be won over without words by the behavior of their wives when they see the purity and reverence of your lives. So to the degree that couples, husbands and wives, will take up their cross and follow Jesus is the de- to the degree that they will experience the joy of marriage. Now here's the thing, and this is um, just the truth of it. Um, the thing about marriage and, and submission in, in particular, is, it being a picture of Jesus, is that you can't look at, like Jesus without sacrifice. You just don't. You see, when you think about the way that um, God says to husbands, husbands, love your wives even as Christ loved the church and gave himself for her. What is he talking about? The cross. It's a picture of sacrifice. When God says to wives, wives, submit to your husbands as unto the Lord, what is he talking about there? It's, it's, it's that moment when Jesus in the Garden of Gethsemane says, Father, if it, take this cup away from me, but not what I will, what you will. It's a picture of submission to the Father's will that led to the cross. And so, and, and for, and with husbands and with wives, listen, if you're going to model Jesus, there is going to be a level of sacrifice. Is it going to be painful to your pride? Yes. Guys, if you're going to love your wife sacrificially like Christ loved the church, is there going to be, are you going to have to crucify some desires to love your wife and lead your family the way God wants you to? Of course. Hebrews chapter 5 would say it this way, It says, during the days of Jesus' life on earth, he offered up prayers and petitions with fervent cries and tears to the one who could save him from death. And he was heard because of his reverent submission. Son, though he was, he learned obedience from what he suffered and once made perfect, he became the source of eternal salvation for all who obey him. The the point is this, is that if Jesus suffered and was crucified to bring salvation to us, Listen, if we're called in marriage to model Jesus, 
we're going to have to crucify our flesh a little bit. We're going to have to kill some selfishness on our part to experience the joy and the harmony that God talks about. Verse 24 is the last part. He says this. Therefore, just as the church is subject to Christ, so let wives be to their own husbands and everything. And here's, here's the last point. And that is that submission is a matter of trust. It's a matter of trust. I say this for a couple of reasons. One is, is because this applies to all of us. Listen, God calls all Christians to be submissive to one another. Because before God tells wives, submit to your husbands in Ephesians 5.22, look at what he says in Ephesians 5.21 in your notes. He says, submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. That means there isn't this one person who starts making demands. There isn't one Christian that decides that he's better than someone else and now through arrogance and boasting and and supposed superiority starts telling everybody what they're supposed to do. No, instead, because we're all submitted to Christ, because he's the master and we're the servants, then here's the deal. We should live lives where we don't esteem ourselves better than than other people. You see, um, we talked about this a couple of weeks ago and we talked about how couples actually become one. But we talked about that the purpose of marriage is deepest friendship. And, and if that's the case, you don't force your will upon your deepest friend. Instead, you know what happens? I mean, my wife and I have been married now. Um, in last, year, last month, we celebrated 14 years of marriage. And, and I can count on one hand the number of times that her and I have disagreed about making a decision. And I've said, and we've, we've gone back and forth, and I've said, I, I understand but we're going to go in this direction. And it's been what she hasn't, you know, the, the, it's been a disagreement on, on our part. And, and the reason is, is because if you, when you and your spouse are, are best friends, there are going to be moments that you disagree, of course. But here's what loving leadership does. It waits. It waits. Listen to what uh, 1 Corinthians 13 says. Some of you know this. It says, love is patient. Love is kind. It does not envy. It does not boast. It is not proud. It does not dishonor others. It's not self-seeking. It's not easily angered. It keeps no record of wrongs. Love does not delight in evil, but it rejoices in truth. It always protects, always trusts, always hopes, always perseveres. Love never fails. And so here's the thing that that, that happens now is that um, your ability, guys, listen, your ability to lead in your home comes from the credibility that you will earn over the years, over the course of time. You consistently make good decisions for your family, and you know what will happen? And you do it in a loving way. And listen, your wife will consider submitting to you a joy. You make poor decisions over the, the, the course of years, and maybe she still will. But it's not, it will not be a joy. And it will be a challenge, because it's poor decision after poor decision. And part of what happens, and this is where I'm going to kind of wrap it and then invite my wife to come out in a moment. But, but here's the thing that happens. Is sometimes the, the big thing that, that, that sometimes happens is the terminology. It's like God says, you know, wives, submit to your husbands. And that's like, you know, and I'm not sure I feel about that. And then you read the Genesis account and it says, you know, uh, that wives, uh, you know, that there was no helper for Adam. And you're like, you know, so the wife is to submit. She's the helper. I mean, what is that? Like hamburger helper? You know, hamburger helper is no good. Right. So what, what, what exactly is that? But see, part of that is just the misconception of, of what it is to be a help. You see, 
when a, when a wife is called to be a helper to her husband, it means that she has gifts and resources that he does not possess. In fact, part of it comes because we don't understand that this idea of being a helper is a privileged position that, that God gives. And we talked about this a couple of weeks ago, that the Hebrew word is ezer konegdo, which is a word that's used of God. But even still, I think sometimes there, the connection isn't, isn't quite made. And um, uh, just to give you, to illustrate it, uh, my daughter is, uh, is obsessed with Rapunzel, you know, the, the Tangled movie. In fact, just on the way to church this morning, she says to me, she says, Papi, tell the people about God and Tangled. So I was like, you know, so that was like her thing, you know, tell them about Jesus and Rapunzel. So. I'm not really sure how I'm going to do that, but I'm, I'm going to tell her that I did. But I'll maybe telling the story is how I did. Um, but she, you know, but she plays the Tangled soundtrack all day, every day. I wake up singing the songs from that soundtrack. In fact, the other day I was playing it in my office because I just I'm sitting there by myself and I'm like, this is all I can think of is these songs. And I'm just playing it by myself. And the guys are looking at like there's like this operatic children's music in the office, like. The guy's really gone off the deep end this time. That's what they're thinking, you know. And um, and so at night, she'll say to me, she'll say, Papi, can you tell me a story? And I'll say, OK, one time long ago, there was a bear. No, 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 I don't want to hear that. OK, one time long ago, there was a fox. No, no, no. She says, Papi, when I say tell me a story, I want you to tell me the Rapunzel story. That's the only story I want to hear. OK. And uh, now in my version of the story is a little different. Um. Because in my version of the story, Darth Vader shows up and starts killing people. Um, she's not totally okay with that, but it kind of works out. Um, but that, that's not really the point. Well, last uh, last Saturday, I took her. We took her to Barnes and Noble, and she um, <laughs> uh, and I told her that I could, that I'd buy her a book, and uh, and so. She wanted two books, and then she gave me this whole explanation that made so much sense. I bought her both books, and then afterwards, I'm like, I just got lawyered. You know, I don't know how this worked out, but she just gave me this whole explanation as to why it made sense to buy her both books, and somehow I agreed, and I didn't realize until after I had paid. And, uh, well, anyway, but they were both Rapunzel books because, you know, why read anything else? Um, and so one was like this level one reading, and so it has like two, two sentences per page, and so she started reading the book and she was able to read most of it. There was about four or five words she didn't know in the whole book. And uh, so she that's what she starts. Re- she reads that book to me. Well, then she got the level two book and the level two book has about five sentences per page. And that's when she starts. The, the, the words are a little bigger and all that. And so and then she says this, Bobby, can you help me? And now I come in and I become the helper. But, you know, the thing about being the helper is that now because the reason that I, that I can be the helper is because I have expertise and I have understanding and 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 uh, resources that she doesn't have. And so she's there. And, and here's the thing that can happen when you're when you're the helper. You can actually you have the power to actually lift that person up and make them better with the gifts that you have. Or here's the other thing that you can do. You can absolutely crush them. Like, you don't know how to read? What's your problem? How old are you? Four? Well, that kind of makes sense. But then, but that's the whole, you know, so, but you can do that. But here's the thing, is, is that you, 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 um, you have this ability. Listen, husbands and wives have the ability to absolutely crush each other. Because they know. They know what they have to say to hurt the other person. Listen, 
wife, you know what you have, you know what you can say, and you will crush him. And here's the thing, but you also have this amazing power to make him better because your gifts have the ability to take him to another level. And that's the power of submission. It's, it's um, the ability to make him everything that God wants him to become. So uh, why don't you, if you would, uh, in, 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 I'm just, my wife is going to come out. Sorry, I got tongue tangled there. Um, tangled. Tongue tied, tongue tied. See, I'm, that's my wife, Carrie. She's going to make sense of everything I've said. And, uh, I'll be the translator. Yes, yes. <laughs> um, from here on in, it will all be lines from Tangled that you will uh, be saying. No. Um, now, here's the thing is that um, now I can imagine to some degree, um, like, you know, they've heard a guy for 20 minutes talking about why submission makes so much sense. And it's like, well, yeah, that's kind of like um, why the guy selling you the car tells you why it's such a good car. Um, but, but here's the thing. I think if, if we can start from the beginning, because one of the things that, that, that happens, that maybe a little further, not quite so far back than the beginning of the universe, but, um, but if we can, because here's, I think, maybe one of the fundamental questions that comes up, and that is, um, you know, we're reading this from the Bible. The Bible's, you know, it's an older book, right? And um, does this see, does submission even apply in the culture in which we live? I would say yes, of course it applies, because... The question you need to ask yourself, the question that is asked, you need to ask yourself a question. In today's society, in today's culture, you look at marriage, you look at families, is that the kind of model that you want? And I would say, for my life, no. And by the way, this is going to keep falling off, and I'm just going to be like, carry the mission control, I'm going to have to hold it because that's life. <laughs> or you, like Dan Aykroyd in the We Are the World video? We are the world. No. Trust me, you don't want me to sing. Yeah. So... <laughs> Why was Dan Aykroyd even in that video? I don't know. Anyway, that's besides the point. I'm sure half I'm derailing have no you. idea what you're talking about. Yeah. Um, it's a choice we're making. We're saving stop, our own stop, lives. Sorry, stop, sorry, sorry. This is how it is at home. This is how it is at home. Okay, 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 okay. okay. This is a time when you heed a certain call. Who stop it? And the world must come together as one. See, I'm trying sorry. to submit. Sorry. <laughs> Sorry. How do I deal with this? Sorry, I can't Lord, stop. Please I can't shut stop. Your mouth. You know, you know how I am. Um, how does it work in the culture? Okay, the culture that we live in. So we don't want to model, of course, what the world has. We want to model what the Bible says. And in that, we can't just say, "Oh, I love the verses about forgiveness and loving you, Lord," and then get our white out and be like submission. I want to wipe that part out because it's the whole counsel of God that we need to take into consideration. And don't (laughs) let me finish my thought. And so with that, in 2 Timothy, it says that um, all scripture is given given to us by inspiration. And with that, we need to understand that submission is inspired by God because God has our best interest at heart. And we need to realize that the world does not have our best interest at heart. Now, you can also say, well, the world is very antiquated, you know, the Bible is antiquated, like you had used that word, because of the way it was written. But if you think about the first century in submission, we need to think about the fact that, yes, we are maybe more technologically advanced as far as computers and sciences and, you know, educationally. However, they knew, God knew what he was talking about back then. And thinking about the cultures back then, the hanging, the hanging, Babylonian Garden, gardens, yeah. 
the pyramids of Giza, the seven wonders of the world, all of these things were made back then. The architecture, the, you know, the things you see, some of these things, we can't even figure out how the pyramids were actually, you know, built. And so you have to say, okay, maybe we are more, women are more educated now because they were not given the education that we're given today. Mm-hmm. But the role is still, we're still called to submit to one another. And even back then, we're called to submit to one another. Yeah. We should have still had a loving relationship because God wants the best for us. Hmm. That's good. By the way, Hanging Gardens of Babylon. I didn't know you were going to go ninja on me on that. Oh, I could tell you uh, more. The steps, <laughs> that's how the water went up. That's, the that's, steps, that's good. That's I like that. They can't figure out that. I like the ninja stuff. Um, <laughs> um, I'm gonna, there's a, See, there's, I'm a James, there's a James Brown quote, but I'm not going to say it because I'm going to move on. Well, he said this. He says, I don't know karate, but I do know crazy. Uh, he, uh, so, Are you me crazy? No, I'm okay. saying James Brown. Uh, he feels good. So, okay. all right. So if submission is relevant today, um, why is it so hard? Submission is hard because we have to go back to the beginning. And I know I made the joke earlier, but really we do have to go back to the beginning. Because in Genesis 3.16, after the fall of man and woman... We are given a curse, and the curse is, Bob had it up there, but I'll greatly multiply your sorrows in childbirth. I'll greatly multiply um, your pain when you bring forth children. And the second part of it is, your desire shall be for your husband, and he shall rule over you. Now, when we think of that, we have to look at the word desire. The word desire. We all know that, especially as women, we have this, like, inside of us. When our husband's starting to do something wrong, when our husband's starting to do something that we don't agree with, we have this like, desire inside of us and we're like, you just want to jump in and be like, don't do it that way. What are you doing? Hold the hammer this way or whatever it is you know, that he's doing. And the husband's like, oh, you know, why are you talking to me that way? But we have it inside of us. We can't help it. We all want to be you know, that helper, but it's all the way we go about it. So that desire inside of us um, in order to really understand what that means, we need to take the word desire and look at it, the next occurrence that it happens in the Bible. And the next occurrence that it happens is Genesis 4-7 with Cain and Abel. And you're, I know, earth to carry. Um, Genesis, stop it. Sorry. Genesis, this is very serious. I know, stuff. it is. And you're going to make serious. me lose. Genesis 4-7. The next instance of this is the word desire comes about. And remember, Cain and Abel, this is about murder. And it's talking about sin here. And it says, the Lord is talking to Cain. Why are you angry? Why has your countenance fallen? If you do well, will you not be accepted? If you do not do, do well, sin lies at the door. And its desire is for you, but you should rule over it. The wording is almost similar. And so what we need to look at is the fact that the word desire in the curse, the word desire here, are both the same. And it's that desire that's inside of us. It's, it's actual sin that's inside of us that wants to rule over our husbands. And because of that, it makes it very difficult to submit. Because we have this curse inside of us, this sin inside of us, that it makes it difficult to submit. So every time we do say those negative things to our husband, and tear, it's almost like we're tearing him down, and we're tearing our relationship down when we say those negative things to our husband, when we, our sin comes out to you know, tell him what to do. And just as it was a murderous desire in Cain and Abel's situation, it's a murderous desire here because you're actually killing your marriage every time you do that. Hmm. Um, well, I like that. Um, I do. I do. That's, uh, but, but 
So if, if God, so let me, if I can try to frame this a little bit. Um, if God calls a husband to lead, mm-hmm. I mean, just, you know, practically, how, how does a wife help her husband? Just like, I, you know, I mentioned it a moment mm-hmm. ago. How, how does a wife help her, help her husband? I think well? that, I'm sorry. No, I think uh, lead, the um, greatest gift that a woman has is influence. Because we know what to say, how to act in order to make our husbands happy or sad. You know, it's a positive influence or a negative influence that we have. We have the ability, like I think of uh, Queen Herodias in the New Testament, how she was so mad at John the Baptist that she used her own daughter, Salome, to sexually dance in front of her husband so that he would be like, I'll give you anything you want. And she, uh, Herodias said, ask him for John the Baptist's head on a plate. It's like on a platter. It's just like you can negatively impact or you can positively impact, like Queen Esther. Queen Esther knew the role that she had. The woman that was before her, Queen Vashti, was killed because she was not listening to her husband, King Xerxes. And she also knew that she had the opportunity because she was called at that moment to save the Jewish people. But how was she going to do this without herself getting killed in the process by offending her husband and also Haman wanting to kill her because she was Jewish? Well, she knew how to do it positively. And in her positive activity, she was scared too. She had to have two, like, in fact, I'm doing the first night, and then this, oh, well, tomorrow night I'll tell you what it's about. Hmm. But she, you know, gracefully did it, and in that she saved the Jewish people. And so um, I think about this. Sorry, I didn't mean to stop you, but I think about this when it comes to the woman. And this is from my big fat Greek writing. I don't know if you've ever seen this, but this is... I've, like, I've heard of it, but I, I study the Bible and fast a lot, so I never saw it. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, well, I, I think of this when it comes to it, because in the, it, there's, you know, she's getting married and everything, and they, they talk about how the husband is the head, and, and uh, they're talking about, and she goes, yes, and one of the older ladies there, she goes, yes, the husband is the head. She goes, but the women are like the neck. They tell the head where to move. So it's like that's your influence. You are yeah. able to influence your husband. Um, well, on that, um, how, how, do you, how do you, well, let me say not you because this is, of course, is not like you and me. But um, how would a, how does a wife, well, I mean, because we don't disagree. But um, uh, I just agree with you. Um, <laughs> uh, but how, how do... How does a wife submit to her husband when she disagrees with him? Because that's really the challenge. It's easy to submit when you agree. <laughs> you know, like, we should do this. I agree. You're brilliant. You know, but how do you, how I do, you do it? I want pizza for lunch. You want pizza for lunch. Yeah. yeah. Um, you, well, especially because, you know, this always comes, it's like Bob said, when you're, you know, doing marriage together, it just, you're going to have disagreements. The very first thing, ladies, it's probably not what you want to hear, but because it's the hardest thing to do is to stop and pray. Pray, 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 pray. That's the only thing I could say to begin with because if you start letting that desire, letting that sin speak up for you before you have a chance to let the Lord and pray, it's just going to it's going to fall apart. It's going to fall apart. And so I always think of James 1:9. It says, "Be slow to speak, quick to listen, and slow to anger." 
So anytime something, I always feel that, like, I need to say something now before, you know, we make the wrong turn and then we end up, like, in Timbuktu. I'm like, okay, I want to say this as nice as possible. And that's one of our things that we always say to each other. Like, if we do have a disagreement and we're discussing something, I always say, no, I'm going to both of us say, I'm going to say this as nice as possible. I, you, I'm, we're going to disagree. But remember, I love you, and I'm trying to say this the best way possible. There's two ways to take this. Yeah, there's take two ways this to take the good it. way. Take it the best way possible. You know, and so we we try and, like, you know, that's our disclaimer. Yeah. So that it's, like, you know, it kind of minimizes the pain as it goes in, yeah. you know, with the words, because they can hurt. And with that, when you, you're called to pray because... You know, you, it's not you that's doing this. It's God. If you are submitting as unto the Lord what it says, what the Bible says, and your husband is making the most dim-witted decision, and you know it, and you know it, but it's not your job to tell him that if, you know, you're having the discussion and he's, uh, he's dead set, you know what, and he's given you the respect of listening to you, and he's like, no, we're doing this, that's the end of it, and you're like, Okay, fine. You know, you're in the middle of the disagreement. Your job is to submit and say, okay, as long as it's not a sinful situation. I do have to put that disclaimer in there. But your job is to say, okay, because as you submit, you are then um, getting to be blessed by the Lord. Your relationship with the Lord is going to be blessed. And then he's going to bless you. And it's like having, you know for a better term, Muhammad Ali in your corner. You know, it's like you're doing what's right. God is your Muhammad Ali, and he's going to fight for you. You won't need to say anything. You don't need to be the Holy Spirit in his life. Let the Holy Spirit be God in his life, talking to him, because God wants to have a relationship with your husband, too. If you're too busy, you know, I don't know how you transcribe that, but you know, he's not going to be able to hear what God has to say to him. So you need to let him, even if he's making the wrong, wrong decision, you need to let him make that wrong decision. And, um, because then it grows his relationship with the, word, the Lord. Because if God, you, you, know, you can talk to him all you want, and only God can change his heart. And God changes his heart, then God changes the things that need to be changed. Hmm. Um, well, let me, uh, just to, because here's, here's one of the things that can happen. Because I, I, we touched on it before, like, um, it's easy to... Be submissive when you agree, mm-hmm. but and then it's it's tougher to be submissive when you disagree. Mm-hmm. I think it's even tougher um, to to submit to um, you know a husband's leadership when it's like well you know he says this is what we're going to do and she says um, well you know have you considered this and he goes well this is what we're going to do and she says well have you um, maybe we could think about this and uh, he says no this is what we're going to do and she says well maybe we could. Have you gotten some wise counsel? And then he just says, listen, submit, woman. This is what we're doing. And, uh, you know, I mean, that, that you know, what, what does, um, how does a wife really respond properly to a moronic statement like that when a guy's like, submit, woman, you know, and just like, and he, he, goes, he goes, like reverts to a caveman. Um, well, I think there's a deeper issue, issue there. Yeah. When he feels like he has to bark orders at his wife and treat her like um, a child, then there's a deeper issue for why he's not trusting her. Maybe she hmm. has, you know, totally torn him down so many times that he doesn't trust her. Or maybe that he has trust issues from back from, you know, when he was, sure. you know, 
previous, like a mother-father issue or something. And because of those things, you need to think about, you know, why he doesn't understand the gospel. Yeah. Why he doesn't understand, you know, that it's, because his part is to... Um, to love his wife sacrificially. To love his wife sacrificially. To, he must submit and to, love his, and to love his wife as Christ loved the church. And Christ died for the church, so he should be more than willing to die for her. So I think that, you know, in those instances, it's difficult, um, even more so, because you just have to. But like I said, if you're submitting as unto the Lord, God's going to bless you. And I've seen it in marriages. I know one family in particular, the husband will say that. Love them dearly, you know. These, this family, the husband will say that, and that, but the wife will submit, and the God blesses her and keeps blessing her for her position in the family. Hmm. So it makes it even more difficult, and yeah. you know, and then, and then it takes a while, and God then works through, like what First um, Peter three says. Yeah. You know, without a word, she will be won over. You know, the husband will be won over. Hmm. Well, let me. Um, this is last last question, but um, because I, you know. Half of our church is single. And so some kind of like for singles to listen in on this conversation is kind of like watching a fish tank. You know, it's like that looks like that looks very interesting, but I'm very dry right now. I'm not in, I'm not in the fish tank. Um, but how how do dating couples, you know, couples that are, you know, courting or dating or whatever you want to call it. Um, how do they handle submission and really like marriage roles as they're as they're maybe marching towards marriage potentially? Um, well, I think that when you're dating, there's the, the different stages of you know from this is you know happy, happy, everything's good to engagement. And if you keep on staying together, you know you're going to eventually get engaged and then get married. So what you need to do is you can't judge your relationship right in the beginning, you know, oh, this is the man I'm going to marry because he's so wonderful and all that. Because he's doing everything in his power to win you over. He doesn't want to mess up. He's saying all the right things. He's saying mm-hmm. that he loves school and that, you know, he's going to college next semester. That's the right things Bob said. That's a, that's a prophecy. <laughs> That was a prophecy. Yeah, it was a prophecy. Yeah. I used to run. I ran a college. Yes, eventually it did later. happen. It was, you know, but you know, he will say anything to like, you know, oh, you're pretty. I want to stay with you. You know, those are the things in his mind. You know, and so you need to you need to look at things. You know, get caught up in love. Get caught up in the romance of it all. But understand that if he's making not so bright decisions now. It's only going to get worse as it gets, as it gets hmm. older. Conversely, if you're a, a woman or you're a man and you're with a woman and she is just constantly, you know, tearing you down and constantly, you know, not like even letting you get a word in edgewise, it's not going to get any easier when yeah. you get married. Um, so you need to like be, you know, looking. That's what the dating period is for, to look and see that when he makes a decision, does he get godly counsel? Does he come to church? Does he understand what the word of God says in the manners that, you know, whatever the situation is? Uh, and vice versa, is she doing what the Lord has asked her to do? Um, as you get engaged, I believe that by then, you know, you should learn, know how to submit to your husband yeah. and understand what it is because... Uh, when you get married, you think it gets easier. It doesn't. Because you know what happens? You end up fighting over, like, the toothpaste or something. And, you know, and those little decisions, if you fight. can't get that over those little decisions, then, you know, when, you know, it's car payment and, you know, whore house and mortgage and kids and all that, yeah. then it's never going to happen. 
Yeah, so and you're absolutely right that marriage doesn't fix problems. It only amplifies them. Exactly. So, um, Carrie Frank was everybody. Thanks so much, Carrie. Um, now, I just want to say this before we, uh, before we wrap it up. Um, and, you know, I mean, Carrie uh, shared, I think, so much wisdom for, for the ladies. But, um, I, you know, if I, if I can just say this, maybe to just kind of wrap up our whole time together. Um, ladies, here, here's kind of where, 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 where you are. Um, you know, you're, you're on the roller coaster. And, uh, and you've got two options. Uh, you can either hold on to that bar as tight as, as you can. And choke out any possibility of not being in control. Um, or, and this is the scary part, you can let go. And, um, and, I can, and this is the truth. Is that there is a lot more joy on the journey um, that you and your husband will have if you'll, if you'll let go. Uh, because the more that you try to hold on, here's really the truth of it, is that you're not in control anyway. God is still in control of all of this. And, um, but the freedom, the joy, the blessing that we're looking for, the harmony that we're looking for in marriage are found when we submit, when both husbands and wives submit to God's design for marriage. And at that moment, we begin to watch God transform us into the people that he wants us to be. Let's pray together. Lord, thank you for the fact that you do give us roles as husbands and wives, and you don't just leave us to figure it out, but instead you, by your spirit, direct us and lead us, guide us, that you transform us into the people that you want us to be. And so I pray, Lord, that you would help every husband, every wife, and every future husband and wife to understand the roles that you have for them. And God, as they seek to obey you with all of their heart, I pray your blessings on them. And God, for every couple here that's struggling, I pray that today as they decide to follow you, that you would bless, that you would work, and that we would see a glorious transformation as we seek to model ourselves after your son. In Jesus' name, amen.